It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 303 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, March 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. Also, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, uh, and a whole other slew of shows on the NFL side. Uh, just a treasure trove of content for you to put in your ears uh, if you so desire. If you have a team you're interested in, find the host for the show of the corresponding team and subscribe to it separately. And you can do that with us. Find Locked on Raptors on iTunes. Leave a rating. Leave a review. It's the easiest and best way to help out the show. Show that you care. Help to move us up the magical rankings on iTunes that I don't really know how they work. But uh, I think the ratings have a role in that. So please do that. And uh, thank you in advance for taking the time. Uh, all right, on today's show, joined by one of the very original guests of the podcast. I think you were on like episode three or four way back in the day. Haven't had you on this season. It's Michael Pina from my, from Vice Sports. How's it going, man? I didn't even know that. I didn't even know. Was yeah, I was. Guest, so that's that's got to go in the resume. Yeah, I was scrolling back uh, like through the earlier episodes, like last week or something. And I noticed your name on like one of the very first episodes. So thank you for laying the groundwork for what has become a very mediocre podcast. I appreciate it. <laughs> we, <laughs> hit our, we hit our high water mark very early um, with you on the show. I think we had you on a couple times last year. Either way, uh, you are heavily involved with the Celtics. And the Raptors play the Celtics on Saturday in what should be a very good and fun and meaningful game with the one seed still sort of up for grabs. I mean, it's kind of not really. Uh, if the Celtics sweep these two games, and it's probably a conversation we should have, but uh, at this point, I think it's three and a half games. Or it's just three games. Never mind. These games are important. I'm an idiot. <laughs> the Celtics have won five in a row. Uh, so, yeah, three-game lead for the Raptors. And if the Raptors win one of them, it's probably going to lock up the one seed. If not, it's still very much up in the air. Uh, so I figured we'd have you on, just kind of talk about what the Celtics are doing. We haven't really checked in with the Celtics in a while. I haven't played them in a couple months, so... Um, I guess my first question is, after last night, the Raptors, the Celtics beat the Utah Jazz 97-94. They went on a 9-0 run in the last two and a half minutes to pull away a very unlikely victory at the end of a road trip. How are the Celtics doing this again without Kyrie Irving and Marcus Smart and Daniel Tice and obviously Gordon Hayward? Uh, Al Horford's been missing some time. Like, What's going on? How are they doing this? I have no idea. Uh, I don't think anybody does. Um, For those who watched last night's game, I mean, it looked like it was all over at multiple points in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. And then Terry Rozier hit like three pull-up threes out of nowhere and just kind of pulled them back into the game. Jalen Brown was hitting shots. Uh, You know, they were getting stops defensively. I think Utah's kind of a, interesting team they've 
kind of lived and survived off of their excellent defense, but they go on these scoring droughts. And so when Donovan Mitchell, you know, misses a few floaters in a row, suddenly it cracked the door open for victory. But like, I, I mean, you just look at the roster that the Celtics had on the floor last night and, you know, Gershon Yabuselli played 15 minutes. Uh, Abdel Nader played 15 minutes. Greg Monroe played 24 minutes. Semi Ojale played thirty three minutes. Like it's <laughs> it's a, a really it's a hodgepodge crew. I'm not really sure how they're doing it. Um, it's really a testament just to obviously the coaching staff that's well renowned and um, the rookies have just not looked like rookies. And Terry Rozier's made a little bit of a leap here, um, and it's been smoke and mirrors. Yeah, uh, I gotta say though, the offense still not the most inspiring thing. Watching crunch time of that game, I was watching the end of it at a bar, and uh, it was not the prettiest close of a game I've ever seen between both teams, really. It was just kind of back and forth haymakers, and uh, none of them were really landing. But uh, obviously, the Celtics pulled it out with that run. Jalen Brown has the three at the end uh, with like point one on the clock to, to seal the victory, and the Celtics just keep on rolling, man. And after the game, at least the conversation I saw on the internet was uh, about Coach of the Year. And I'm going to preface all this. We have to talk about it because it's a daily podcast and we have to touch on everything because uh, why not? Um, But, like, I'm going to preface all this by saying I don't care about Coach of the Year. I really don't. I think it's kind of a silly award that never really goes to the proper person. Um, Maybe this year will be an exception. I don't know. But the conversation, it's kind of gone back and forth. I think at the start of the season when the Celtics went on that crazy run, it felt like Brad Stevens had locked up Coach of the Year in the first month of the season. And then because the NBA season is long, things change. The Raptors go on a crazy run. Dwayne Casey's in the running. Um, I feel like Brett Brown's probably in the running as well right now. You have... Mike D'Antoni out west, of course, with the, with the Rockets doing his thing. Um, but I think it's probably down to Casey and, and Stevens. So I'm not really going to ask you who I th- who you think should win. Or maybe I will, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'd rather just like kind of lay out the cases because I think this is very much like a Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell thing where people are very staunchly on one side of it, and it seems pretty dumb to be because there's very good cases for both. So lay out the case for Brad Stevens as coach of the year. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I agree with everything you said, and I think just about every end-of-season NBA award is incredibly nebulous, <laughs> and it's so difficult to kind of pin down a criteria for mm-hmm. who deserves these things over, you know, when there's multiple deserving candidates, what is kind of the tiebreaker? So when I look at it, I mean, I'm, I, I, I think that the uh, Simmons... Mitchell comparison is very apt and uh, when I look at that race it's just like I, I don't really care who wins I mean I don't think Simmons is a rookie so that's kind of why I think <laughs> Mitchell but uh, with coach of the year I mean <clears throat> I, I, I think both are incredibly deserving and I wouldn't be shocked or surprised or mad or upset or anything if either one won the award uh, for Stevens, I think the case for me is just, you know, the team has been kind of remarkably consistent despite, uh, you know, injuries to multiple key players, most recently Marcus Smart and Kyrie Irving, who are their two primary ball handlers. And, you know, their offense has been terrible all season long when Kyrie goes to the bench. So for them to go on a <clears throat> win streak here without him on the road, I know, you know, a bunch of those. 
a couple of those wins were against, you know, um, Phoenix and Sacramento. But, you know, winning last night in Utah is just kind of a feather in the cap for the case. Um, you know, their defense has been consistent all season long. Uh, they're playing with so many rookies. I, the players that I listed earlier are just half of the names of guys who have contributed who, you know, may not have any business, you know, in a rotation, let alone playing 30-plus minutes on a team that's going to win 55 games this year. So uh, I think it's kind of crazy just how <clears throat> how Stevens has positioned guys like J- Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum uh, to have success in a season where, you know, they probably came into it not anticipating that their roles would be this huge. Uh, integrating someone like Kyrie Irving, who is obviously a ball-dominant force, um, you know, integrating him into a, a culture and an offensive system that has had, you know, I would say relative success in previous years relative to their talent level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was an incredibly difficult job. Not a lot of people knew how that was going to take. And then obviously when Gordon Hayward goes down in the first five minutes, everything changes and you know that the mental toll that that takes on just about everybody in the organization could have crumbled things right then and there and instead they've been either first or second in the east for the entire season so that that would just be my case for why i would vote for brad stevens this is jake from locked on locked on has teamed up with state farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in nba history After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. One other note, uh, Shane Larkin has played 50 games for this team. (laughs) That should be a feather in Stevens' cap, and he hasn't looked totally out of place, uh, which was not not, not the case with him before. Uh, going to Boston. So yeah, I think you made very good points. I guess from the Casey side of things, it's more of a I feel like the the change that the Raptors have undergone has been more drastic than anything that the Celtics have had to sort of conform to with the lack with the lack of health. Like I, I feel like they've played the same way that they would have played if everyone was healthy. Obviously, things get shifted more towards Kyrie, but um, and it becomes more of his team, but I, I just think the way the Raptors have changed, especially after last year, where it felt like in the summer it was kind of over, and that maybe they were going to move on from Dwayne Casey, and for him to sort of do everything that was mandated by the front office in terms of changing the the you know the culture reset, blah 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 blah, the thing that's been said a goddamn million times that I'm sick of hearing, um, but the like just the the total change in how they've played and the success of it and the way they've been able to stick to it. And also, just like the the development, I think, of a lot of young guys. Like, Boston's had some good development, no, no doubt. I mean, Jason Tatum comes in and is 
awesome right away. Jalen Brown's taken a step this season as well. But I think if you look at the Raptors roster, it was like a, a season like this was so dependent on all of the young guys hitting. And that's a really hard thing to do. And obviously the entire coaching staff has a, a role in that. And honestly, I'd rather give the coach of the year to a, a coaching staff as opposed to just one coach. Um, if we're making changes to the to the thing right now, but um, I, I think the development that we've seen across the board from Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertl, Fred Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, like I think that has to be sort of factored into the calculus. Whereas maybe some of the performances, and you mentioned Terry Rozier, like he's obviously made a leap as well. But um, like I think some of the performances from Boston maybe were more predictable. I suppose with like Mike Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart when he's played, and, and obviously Al Horford is Al Horford at this point. Um, so maybe that's the argument for Casey and. I don't. I don't know who I would pick, and also I guess you could say like the Raptors have just been like a more statistically dominant team this season than the Celtics. I mean, they're three point nine points ahead in the net rating standings right now. The Celtics have actually fallen to fifth now behind the the Seventy Sixers, and the Sixers are terrifying. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the case for Casey. If you had to make a vote right now, I don't know. Do you have a vote? Like I do not have a vote. Okay. They won't. They won't let me. Get <laughs> if you had to make a vote right now. Who would you vote? What's like your top three coach of the year ballot? Uh, I would probably, I would probably vote Stevens one, Casey two. Uh, I haven't really thought too hard about who I would put third. I, I yeah. think you can't really rule out someone like uh, Greg Popovich. Uh, I think Quinn Snyder's done an, an unbelievable job in Utah. Um. D'Antoni, you mentioned Eric Nate McMillan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate, Nate McMillan. Yeah, that's a really good call. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, and, and I think just when comparing <clears throat> Stevens and Casey, it's really interesting because Casey's, uh, you know, his challenge this year was to alter a system and a mindset that had been ingrained for years mm-hmm. with a lot of the guys and. I don't know what's more difficult do, to change that to get Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan to buy into this change where they would need to sacrifice and kind of alter um, their responsibilities, lower their minutes, uh, trust the younger guys to carry them after uh, a few seasons of, of playoff disappointment. And then on the other hand, it's like, that's obviously really difficult, but uh, what Stevens needed to do was take uh, so many new faces yeah. and create uh, a system that would work for the new pieces. So, I mean, he had Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder for a few years and Kelly Olynyk his entire time as the head coach of the Celtics. And so those guys are gone and, you know, new players come in. And so you need to kind of alter that. So I don't know which is harder. Um, the thing that really, really just, Put Stevens above by the most minuscule percentile is just Toronto's been really healthy all season, mm-hmm. and uh, they really haven't had to face any hardship, um, any substantial hardship. I don't think you can correct me if I'm wrong with anyone missing, you know, multiple weeks who's in their rotation. As yeah, Delon Wright missed some time at the start of the year, but that's about it. I mean, OG sure, missed a yeah. couple games. Yeah, it's not. It hasn't um, been much. Yeah, so I would. That's the only thing, and that I don't want that to sound like I'm taking anything away from the Raptors, who have been the best team in the East, despite Boston having a better record. I thought Toronto was the better team for a good chunk of this season. Um, 
And so I don't want to take anything away from Casey and just the job that he's done getting everyone to buy in. I think that that was a really huge challenge and he deserves all the accolades in the world for it. Yeah, I think the one counterpoint I'd throw at your at your argument about the injuries, and I agree that the, the obviously it's been so extreme with the Celtics that it's it's hard to really sort of make it equal. But uh, you know how, and this all goes into how nebulous, as you mentioned, this stupid award is. Like, how much do we weigh the health of the Raptors on Casey sort of changing his minutes patterns, and you know Kyle Lowry looking like Kyle Lowry at the end of the season for the first time in four years? Like, how much is that? Casey sort of managing Kyle's minutes and sort of impressing on Kyle that he needs to sort of preserve himself for the end of the season and not having him play more than 36 minutes more than a couple times this season um, and, and like I, I wonder also how that factors in and, and like we'll never really know because we don't have like the body measurement metri- metrics on these guys and we have no idea how it all factors in but I think that you have to consider that as well that maybe the Raptors have been super healthy because Dwayne Casey's been very happy to play 12 guys and very happy to sit Kyle Lowry for extended periods of time to sort of keep him fresh and healthy for the end of the season. Honestly, I think the Raptors, you know, the the voting will happen before the playoffs, and I feel like the Raptors' playoff run would really sort of dictate, and if the Raptors' changes are real and they translate to the playoffs, I feel like that would work in Casey's favor a little bit more for Coach of the Year because there is still a lot of wait and see with this team. Um, and I guess that maybe we can go from there because I'm sick of Coach of the Year talk. <laughs> I got to say, uh, <laughs> let's let's dovetail off that then. And so you've been watching the Raptors from afar. You've written some great pieces this season. You did a Demar Derozan piece, right? There were a million Demar Derozan pieces this year, but you did a, a one yeah, pretty yeah, early on. I think. A while back. Yeah, pretty early on. You were one of the first people on it, uh, and it was very good. And the the changes have been very pronounced and talked about ad nauseum all season long for you looking at how they play how it differs from seasons past how they roll 12 deep some nights most nights it's like 10 but they can roll 12 if they want do you think the changes are going to translate to the playoffs this is the the million dollar question for every raptors fan and everyone observing the raptors but um just based on what you've seen through 75 games do you think the changes are real and able to sort of move into the playoffs pretty seamlessly? I do. Uh, and I, th- like, it's tough to know, you know, in crunch time, if the ball will bog down, um, if things will get stale. But I, I honestly don't see this team, especially in the first round, maybe even the first two rounds, depending on their opponent, I don't really see them even getting into like crunch time issues to Mm -hmm. be honest i mean i i just think that they are they're so deep and if if casey sticks with uh you know playing his rotation as he has not necessarily tightening it up to a traditional degree uh the traditional degree that teams normally do in in entering the postseason i think if he just kind of rolls with what he has you know that bench unit of uh, Pirtle, Miles, Van Fleet, Wright, and uh, and Siakam is just... I, I don't understand the argument for why you would break that up or lessen uh, their impact by cutting into their minutes. I, 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 I get the... I, I mean, I understand the argument against it, but at the same time, it's had so much success. Uh, I, I think it's had success against opposing starting units as well. Mm-hmm. So it's... I don't know why you would 
why you would hurt a good thing, and I don't think Casey will. I think he's had a really good feel all year for his team. Uh, the way he rides out certain lineups at the end of games instead of just you know nominally subbing in, let's say, DeMar DeRozan or Jonas Valanciunas for Jakob Pertl or... Um, or Van Fleet or whoever, letting the, the, the reserves kind of ride things out when they have it going. I think he deserves a lot of commendation for that. I don't want to step back into the coach of the year race, but, but he's, been, <laughs> he's been really good. Um, and I think when you look at the minutes that you, you brought this up a few minutes ago, but uh, if you look at just, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry, how he's been deployed this season, how I, I do agree with you that, you know, that's certainly probably kept him healthier and I would expect him to look like a dynamo in the playoffs mm-hmm. because of the regular season that he's had the the reduction of you know him having to run you know 15 pick and rolls every game or whatever it is you know his percentages in that area are down his minutes are down his shots are down the way he's getting his shots are down so uh, I would expect him to play a lot better and you know if DeMar DeRozan continues to access the three-point line you know I know his, th- his percentage has kind of dipped a little bit uh, but you know as long as he's still a threat from out there as opposed to in years past I think that's a huge impact particularly in a seven-game series so I'm not really worried about the Raptors until they need to go up against either you know LeBron James and he looks like he's averaging a 45 point triple double <laughs> or you know whoever comes out of the west the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every Monday Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, and honestly, the thing too, and I agree pretty much on all accounts there, uh, especially in terms of like the, the path it'll have to take. Like, I'm not particularly concerned about the offense getting stymied against like the Bucks, for example. Um, and like, if you look at a Cavs series, the issue is not really going to be scoring, I don't think. Um, and and nah. I think they've shown against the Cavs this season they can score with them. It's going to be trying to stop them. So, uh, And like the defense has held up pretty well most of the season. There was that John Schumann stat that came out about how they're the second-worst team against top-10 offense, offenses in the league. But there's some noise to that. A lot of those games have been back-to-backs, things like that. And the Cavs are the worst of those teams uh, against top-10 def- uh, offenses. So um, like that's going to be a high-scoring series, and I think the Raptors' changes will lend themselves very nicely to that. So uh, I agree on all accounts. I have been saying all along, I think it's lazy to say, oh, just because they were bad in years past that they'll be, obviously be bad this season because it's a completely different team. They play differently. Um, and the Kyle Lowry point you made, I think, is the most important thing. I've always kind of been, maybe this is Homerish of me, but I've always been Kyle Lowry is an unhealthy playoff player, not a bad playoff player. Like he's had some incredible playoff performances. He even says like it bugs him that no one really talks about his very good playoff games because he's had a lot of them. Um, you know, game sevens against Indiana and Miami. He was pretty good in the playoffs last season, even though he was just back from injury uh, before he got hurt again. It was uh, you know I think his playoff reputation maybe is a little bit you know lessened than a little bit less sort of sterling than it should be. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree. 
let's go to the Celtics again. We'll have to wrap this up here. Um, the Celtics are the two seed right now. They could be the one seed. Uh, we'll, we'll pencil them in at two right now because I, I feel like it'll be a split between these two games, Raptors. I think the Raptors will win this Saturday and then lose the second night of a back-to-back next week in Toronto. Um, that's just me predicting. I don't know that. But I'll just say they're going to be the two seed. They'll play probably the Heat or the Bucks or maybe the Wizards in the first round, depending how things break. The Celtics, are you worried if Kyrie Irving's not back? I guess this is kind of a twofold question. If Kyrie Irving's not back, they could easily get lost, lose in the first round, I, I think, um, just because of the sheer lack of talent compared to, say, the Bucks with Giannis or whatever. Um, or And, you know, from a long-term perspective with this team, Kyrie's had knee injuries in the past. He's had injuries, you know, throughout his career. Is it even worth bringing him back and rushing him back for a playoff series, whether it's the first or second round, whatever it is, when really this team is kind of at the beginning of its window opening? And I'm not sure if this is going to be the year where the Celtics really break through. I don't know. I would be kind of weighing this question in my head if I'm Danny Ainge and the Celtics medical staff. Like, is it even worth bringing him back for a season in which this is probably not the best shot for the Celtics to go for a title? Yeah, I've been echoing that that uh, that opinion for a little while now. I mean, if Kyrie is not 100%, then you don't play him. Yeah. And if he is, then you do play him. It's it's pretty. I, it's in those terms. It's pretty simple to me. Um, I I agree with you that the Celtics could easily lose in the first round. It's. Uh, you know, winning games as they have in the regular season with the players that they have, it's a, just a different animal uh, in a seven-game series if you don't have Kyrie Irving. I mean, you would need Terry Rogier to look like Kyrie Irving. <laughs> so that's just, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, and also not having Marcus Smart, who is a real, I mean, his obviously his shooting woes are his shooting woes, but he's kind of built for uh, a, a playoff series with all the different things that he can do. So not having him uh, in that first round is pretty devastating, particularly if they're matched up against um, uh, like the Miami Heat and the Miami Heat goes small with all their guards and mm-hmm. you know they start bombing away from the three point line. I think that could be trouble um, if it's the Bucks. Giannis would be easily the best player uh, in that series, and that that really scares me. Uh, the Bucks have their issues, and they're an eight seed for a reason. Um, so I wouldn't just necessarily write off the Celtics, but it it wouldn't look good. Um, so I mean, I, I I agree with everything that you said about how Boston is. You know, I don't necessarily think they should be looking at this playoff run as do or die. Uh, they have plenty of. I mean, the future is very bright if you just look at how a lot of their players, <clears throat> the age of their players, and how they're produced and how they've developed throughout the season. Uh, Kyrie's knee injury as a long-term thing is certainly problematic, and you know, hopefully that works itself out. Um, but getting Gordon Hayward back next year. Uh, you know, having Tatum in year two, Jalen in year three. Uh, we'll see if Marcus Smart's even on the team. But I think, uh, you know, the future, again, is just really bright for this team. And there's no reason to do damage to it in any way, shape, or form with just a, a playoff run that can't really, I mean, even if they were to get out of the East, which is virtually impossible. Um, you know, beating the Rockets or the Warriors is just, that's just not, not going to happen. <laughs> 
Is there a first round matchup? Like Raptors fans do this. They fear monger and get scared. Uh, I've been trying to chill people out because the Raptors should beat whoever they come across in the first round. Is there a first round matchup that Celtics fans are looking at kind of you know warily and kind of concerned that if that happens, like it's going to be done? Um, I personally think Celtics Heat would be uh, entertaining for all the like the gross reasons that Heat Raptors series was a couple years ago. I feel like it would just be the the grossest 75-74 games for, for, for seven games. Um, but I don't know. Is there a, a, an opponent that particularly is, is scaring Raptor, or Celtics fans right now? I mean, the Heat would be tough. I don't think anyone wants any part of Giannis. You know, if you talk to people in the Celtics front office, they think that Giannis could easily just play 48 minutes a game <laughs> in the first round, and that should scare everybody. It should. Uh, uh, speaking from experience, it's scary yeah. as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always a threat of that wearing him down eventually, but uh, I don't really want to make that wager. Um, and then, you know, I think the Wizards are a really interesting team, and if I were them... I would secretly try to tank to get to the seven mm. and play the Celtics in the first round because I, I, I'm not really sure what John Wall's going to look like, how healthy he is, how they're going to integrate him on a team that's, you know, hasn't been, it's just a, been a very blah season by yeah. the Wizards. But, you know, in a seven game series, I think talent prevails. And Bradley Beal has had an all star season, he's been really good. Uh, John Wall, when healthy, is obviously a tremendous threat on both ends. Uh, so I don't think that the Celtics, particularly, again, if they don't have Marcus Smart, that would be a devastating matchup for them. Uh, so the Wizards would be probably the number one fear uh, for Celtics fans if they were to intentionally uh, cough up some games here down the stretch <laughs> to try to get down there. Um, but none of these matchups... I think if you don't have Kyrie Irving, all the matchups are pretty bad, to be honest. Fair enough. Um, yeah, the Wizards. I, I'm rooting for the Wizards because I think that's just like a fun, weird rivalry. Um, even though most of the players have changed on the Celtics from last year, I think it's uh, there's always some weird heat between those two teams, and uh, I would be happy with that. Uh, give me Cavs heat in the first round, too. Give me uh, Dwayne Wade just getting obliterated by LeBron. Uh, I think that'd be good comedy. Um, yeah, the Bucks. As great as Giannis is, I'm just so not scared of the Bucks. I would. I don't like. They don't know what they're doing. They don't really know how to play basketball. And uh, I that's think, a fair point. I think you have to know how to play basketball to do anything in the playoffs. So um, that should do it. Actually, thank you so much for taking the time, Michael. I really appreciate it. Um, do you have anything right now that you'd like to plug? Uh, no, not particularly. I mean, I have an article, a profile coming out of a person in basketball. <laughs> That's all I'll, I'll say. It's, it should be uh, out uh, before the playoffs begin, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, so that's about it. And I know that that plug is going to, I mean, that just makes no sense to anyone. Um, but because uh, there's no details, but look out for that is what I'll say. That's a good enough tease because your stuff is very good, so that should be enough to get people excited. Oh, thank you. Uh, you also host the Big Three podcast, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. We uh, have taken uh, a two-week hiatus, and we are returning actually today, so that should be 
wonderful, and we will probably be strictly debating coach of the year, your favorite subject. So oh, tune in. So at least you got some reps on here. You have <laughs> exactly. your arguments in order. Uh, all right, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Hopefully, we can do it again. Uh, if not in the playoffs, because I don't think these two teams are really going to play in the playoffs, which is a disappointment. I would have really, I would have enjoyed that uh, Raptors Celtics matchup. Um, but uh, until the next time, uh, thanks for coming on, man, and we will hopefully do it soon. Thank you, Sean. All right, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing, all those things. Uh, it's very helpful, and I appreciate it very much. Uh, probably no podcast tomorrow because it's Good Friday and stuff, and I got family stuff going on. Uh, so we'll be back uh, over the weekend at some point. I'm probably going to get the trivia bracket thing going again, uh, so I might be able to record some of those on Saturday before uh, things get crazy with the playoffs, but uh, stay tuned on that. You know I make empty promises all the time. Uh, all right, thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time on Lockdown Raptors. Have a great holiday weekend, everybody. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 